Dubious Consumers Podcast for the week of June 19th. My name is Justin Hurd. My name is Nathan Steinman. And uh, we're here with a short episode, what we think is going to be a short episode. Yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah. We thought last week's was going to be short and it went almost two hours. Well, it won't go that long this time. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. I'm pretty sure my wife will drag me out of here before that happens. She, she's she's <laughs> waving saying she's sure. So. <laughs> So, um, Nathan, what have you been consuming? So, uh, the main thing is I finally, I bought the Earth 2 graphic novel, um, last year. I'd read it before, but it's, uh, Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly, and it was, uh, a combo pack where they include the DVD and Blu-ray of the adaptation that they made in the DC animated universe. Okay. I saw a bunch of those at Walmart. Yeah. And it's called, uh, the animated film is crisis on two earths. Um, so not infinite earths. No crisis on two earths. Hmm. So the concept of the crisis being used in DC universe actually goes back to a 1964 justice league storyline where they teamed up with the justice society of america which is the silver uh, or sorry is the golden age dc group yeah don't you be confusing the silver and the golden age i I always want to put silver before and the golden age then it's over but uh what about the bronze age whatever um that's a historical term not a (laughs) comic term so I guess the Bronze Age would technically be late Victorian, uh, like political cartoons and Toffler and the Lindward and stuff like that that leads into what becomes the modern graphic novel. See, we just established the Bronze Age. They're done. Historical, <laughs> historical age set. There you and, go. Um, so I finally got a chance to sit down and watch it. I just kind of made myself because I was like, I really, I really want to see what they did. Right. Um, I didn't know this, but what they did was they adapted the both the Earth 2 graphic novel, which is the Justice League fighting the crime syndicate, which is an alternate Earth where the Justice League is evil. Okay. And it's instead of Superman, it's Ultraman. Instead of Wonder Woman, it's Superwoman. Instead of Green Lantern, it's Power Ring. Instead of Flash, it's Johnny Quick. And instead of Batman, it's Owl Man. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. Was I, kn- I knew most of those. I did not know Owlman. So the cri- the original Crisis storyline was Crisis on Earth 3. That also involved the crime syndicate of America. So they took this original Crisis, where the term Crisis got used more and more in the DC universe. That storyline was written by a guy named Gardner Fox and an artist named Mike Sikowski. Now, Gardner Fox... This is one of those things where it's like one of those names you've heard if you're a big comic book fan, but you don't really have any. I was never a super hard 60s DC mark. So unlike the 60s Spider-Man and 60s X-Men stuff that I read, I was never, I haven't gone back and really delved into 60s DC. He was one of the main writers. He wrote Justice League, he wrote Hawkman, he wrote Flash, he wrote... He was, and it's all under Julius Schwartz who kind of revamped. He was kind of the Stan Lee of what DC was in the 60s and 70s. But they took this amalgam version of the story, of these two stories. And so it was weird when I was watching it because I didn't know that it was an amalgam. 
I just thought this was like a brand new, like they just really went off the rails when they were adapting this oh, okay. thing. Like James Gordon is president of the United States of America, and he has an eye patch like Nick Fury, and Barbara Gordon is like this uh, outspoken protester of the crime syndicate, and like they never really go into Owlman uh, being Bruce Wayne. They really don't ever like, and they have a different voice actor. So they have James Woods doing Owlman. Interesting. I really want to see a James Woods Batman now. Well, I still want to <laughs> see Peter Weller as Batman. Oh yeah. Have you watched The Dark Knight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. That was incredible. Yeah. He, he could totally pull off super old grizzled. Like if they did The Dark Knight Strikes Back. Yeah. There oh, you he go. could totally pull that off. Now that's Batfleck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they should just do like a fan film with Peter Weller. But uh, so, Crisis on Two Earth. The screenplay was written by Dwayne McDuffie. Now, Dwayne McDuffie is probably most famous for creating Static Shock. Okay. Uh, one of the, the uh, at the time, a teen uh, superhero who was African American. You know, they they were adding uh, di- more diverse characters in this milestone line. In the 90s. Um, but what's funny is Dwayne McDuffie also created a comic book series for Marvel called Damage Control. Okay. Which is currently under development. It's the cleanup crew that goes back and repairs everything uh, in the Marvel Universe is Damage Control. Okay, so this for a cleanup detail, which we managed last, yes, yeah, mentioned yes, last so, week. But uh, the Damage Control thing is currently under adaptation to become a sitcom. Okay. For so that's what ABC. that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, he died actually before this was made. Okay. He died of uh, of complications from open heart surgery uh, in 2011. He'd written this script for them, and they made it. I mean, they were making it, and he and he passed away. Um, but uh, Lauren Montgomery and Sam Liu are the two directors. There's two directors in this. Lauren Montgomery worked on Justice League Doom, the first Wonder Woman animated movie, the Batman Year One animated movie, Superman Doomsday. Uh, she's also been a storyboard artist for a lot of um, a lot of DC and Marvel animated projects. And she actually worked on Avatar The Last Airbender as a storyboard artist and worked on The Legend of Korra as a producer. Okay. Now, Sam Liu... Is the guy who's doing the Killing Joke? Okay, the which upcoming. I'm really not excited for. I don't I really am. I don't. I don't know why. There's just. I'm super. I'm just excited. This is the last time they're going to use Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. They've said that like voices. seven times though. But I mean, this is the legitimate one. This is the story you could do. And call it the end if you're not, you know. Yeah, the, I, I don't believe it. It's also the one that Mark Hamill said that he would come back for. Okay. If they're ever going to do the killing joke, I want to do it. Well, he also quit on, I believe, Arkham City and then ended up being in Arkham Knight again. So They must have offered him a lot of money. Mark Hamill, you're not reliable. He's... He, he just he's a he's a whore for uh, geek culture. You know what? Luke so. Skywalker should now have the Joker voice. <laughs> 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 Memories. 
But he also he was the one who directed the Justice League Gods and Monsters that Bruce Tim wrote, which uh, I still have not watched. So the two I still haven't watched it either. I need to like desperately. So the two like uh, CG rendered cartoons that they've made, Beware the Batman and Green Lantern. He was the main director for those shows. He also did All Star Superman. He worked with Batman Year One. He also did several Marvel ones, including the adaptation of Planet Hulk. Okay. Which is on Netflix, by the way. Um, some of these are... Uh, most of these aren't anymore. They were on Netflix for a while. But so this kind of like group, this kind of combination of these artists. So the concept of it is on this alternate Earth where the crime syndicate rules, Lex Luthor is the leader of the Justice League. Okay. The Joker is called the Jester. There's like all a lot of the villains are all were all members of the Justice League. He travels to he finds a he, Owlman had created this this thing to travel between worlds and Luke Lex Luthor steals it. And then he travels gets the tries to get the Justice League to help him to go back and they end up doing that. Now in the comic book series the mode of transportation, what it does is it switches the position. So, like, Lex Luthor comes over, but, like, uh, this plane from another, the, how he did it, this plane from another, from that Earth, crashes on our Earth, and a plane from our Earth crashes there. There's, like, a 24-hour thing where, like, when, once it's used, it has this reversal effect. So when he transports the Justice League back over, 24 hours later, the crime syndicate is transported to our world. Okay. And they're wrecking shop on our world. And Thomas Wayne is the is like the Jim Gordon of Gotham City in this world. And what ends up destroying Owlman's plans in the Earth 2 graphic novel is that Thomas Wayne is already dead in our world. So none of what he wants to do matters because he's trying to get revenge on his father. Okay. So it's this whole kind of dark. They don't play with that in this because, like I said, it's more. It's this weird amalgamation of Crisis on Earth three, where the JSA and JLO have to go, and they try and free the people uh, from the crime syndicate of America. Overall, I would give it B to B plus to A minus. Uh, solid voice work the voice cast is incredible um the i would i should have written some actors down that did the voices but i uh, the one that really sticks out to me was the james woods owl man um it's uh, the martian manor looks incredible in it like his powers like really make a lot of sense um and the kind of twist at the end with how they play off this whole thing between flash and johnny quick who's fastest is a great little twist and uh the whole thing is like uh Owlman has figured out that there's a bunch of parallel realities. So he's trying to find Earth Prime. And he has this bomb called the QED that's going that he's going to transport to Earth Prime and destroy all of reality. Okay. None of that is in either of these stories. It's the probably the most original element. Was this traveling to Earth Prime thing? And it really explores the concept of the multiverse really cool without being like dumb or 
and by by far I would say if if you were going to do a crazy evil justice league movie this was probably the best way to do it and uh, I would recommend I would recommend watch it especially since the, I mean the pedigree of these creators and what they've also created it's kind of uh, especially in the DC and Marvel animated universes and the fact that you know the fact that Lauren Montgomery spans to both Avatar and Legend of Korra bringing that kind of those type of animation style and everything but uh i mean it makes me even more excited about the killing joke so okay. seeing what sam lou's gonna do and the kind of and she's working as a storyboard artist on the killing joke i think nice but uh, uh that was the main thing i wanted to talk about other than the fact that i did read the dc universe rebirth issue that jeff johns has a final comic for the period of time that he is the head of this division of Warner Brothers. Okay. Um, so they brought... It's mostly told entirely through Wally West, who has been absent, this version. The Wally West from the original, quote-unquote, the universe that ended when they started the New 52, he has been absent. This, the white, red-haired... So the Flashpoint paradox sort of yeah. thing. and So ever since the Flashpoint paradox happened, so... What it looks like they're hinting at. Oh, hinting at. Hinting at. Hinting at. Very obviously is that... What they downright say. In the imagery of the comic, they downright say that Dr. Manhattan, when he says he's going to go create some life, he creates the original DC Universe. Yay. And then interacting with it, during the f- when their the whole flashpoint paradox thing happens, created the new fifty two. Words. It's really that part is weird. That part is not the part that's exciting. The fucking Wally West being trying to get into this, trying to find a way to into this reality, and visiting all the characters and and kind of like, I hate to say it, but like this might be a comic that I would hand to someone and be like, okay. You know nothing about DC, right? Now you will know as much as you need to know <laughs> in order to, to pick up any DC comic. Because, I mean, he there's so much world building in this one issue of a, of setting up and explaining like little... like, And it doesn't go in deep, but it gives you enough to like... You can, hit, you can hold on the whole time. And it's a poignant story. It's actually super cheap. It's like a 48-page story, and it's only two ninety-nine. There's wow. no ads. There's no ads. Wow. The last pages are like the covers of the number ones for the new comics, but there are no ads in this entire comic book. I'm surprised that the... I remember, you know, whenever the comics were drawing the line at two ninety-nine. Yeah, now they're all three ninety nine and four ninety nine, and well, seven, and then the the super mega forty eight page specials are usually seven ninety nine yeah. or something like that. Uh, and there was a just recently they did a, a Deadpool issue that had four story. It told the whole story. It was a whole story arc. It was nine ninety nine because it had like over a hundred pages yeah. or something, and I was just like. Come, Come on, guys. Nine ninety nine should have hundred and fifty pages. Come on. Right. Come on. But uh I understand. Well they drew the line at nine at two ninety nine. <laughs> they this. drew that line. They drew that line, jumped way the fuck over it. Yeah. But um there's uh, some other kind of explicit watchman references. 
including a character being exploded in the exact same way that that Rorschach is in yep. um there's other other subtle like little like art callbacks to lots of famous DC universe stories um and there's a lot of references to Flashpoint but it's also kind of explains itself while it's going on and the thing we're talking about where it's making the very oblique references to Watchmen is on the opening panel. Yeah. Our opening page, which is nine panels. Uh, the nine panel grid like Watchmen, uh, the, the, the yellow color to the narration boxes, um, and even like the zooming in on these different parts oh. of of a clockwork which is very much dr manhattan and also the other thing of the f- like him appearing over and over to all these different people is like when dr manhattan was reconstructing right. himself right but i mean like and then at the end of the comic y- y- two things one you have batman holding up the watchman pen with, with the, the blood, blood on it. it and then it, and then uh, there's an epilogue there's an epilogue. It goes from one a one panel splash page, four panels, back to the nine panel grid where it reconstructs the watch, fixes a broken broken wheel pins in the watch, reconstructs the watch. The watch then turns into the doomsday clock that was used throughout Watchmen. Right. As the minutes to midnight. I have no idea, no <laughs> fucking idea where they're going with this. Right. But this was a great piece of comics it's so intertextual you know how uh nerd writer had that video where he talks about intertextuality and stuff right this is completely intertextual with comics and if they're doing this kind of weird thing with watchmen blah 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 whatever make it a part of the fucking dc universe doesn't make any sense but whatever (laughs) but they did it jeff johns did it in a deft well-crafted story like I mean, it is. I'm. Imp- I mean, super impressed. I mean, I knew Jeff Johns was good. I didn't know Jeff Johns was this good. I knew, like I knew he was good at mythologizing and world building. Look at the Green Lantern stuff. There's all the different rings and all the different power stuff. But I feel like this was Jeff. If this is Jeff Johns, if Jeff Johns never writes a comic again, at least he went out on top of his game. Well, there you go. You know. But that that's what I've been consuming. Uh, Justin, what have you been consuming? Well, I've got uh, one big thing and then a recommendation. So okay. the big thing I've been consuming, I actually just finished it today, was Stephen King's novel 11-22-63. Ah. So um, they actually made a Hulu television series based off of this. And the basic idea of it is... is there's this uh, English history or English teacher at a high school who is given the knowledge that there is a time loop that will send him. Um, in the book, it's back to 1958. In the television series, it's 1960. But we'll send him to the past, and he is tasked with preventing the assassination of JFK. Interesting. And the idea is that every time you go to the past, it is a hard reset. So every time you go to the past, everything you've done previously is erased, 
and you always come out two minutes before noon on the specific date in that specific year based off the television series or the book. Um, And the whole idea is he... And when you come back into the future, only two minutes have passed, no matter no matter how long you have spent in the past. Interesting. So, so it's kind of this locked loop, right? Um, there's also a yellow card man who shows up, who seems to know that something is off about whoever travels to the past. Um, in the television series, he shows up a lot. In the book, he shows up three times and then kills himself. And his card changes colors every single time he um, Jake goes back. So um, the main thing that's interesting about it also is that um, the past does not want to be changed. So anytime you go to change something, the past will fight back. It resets. Well, it finds a way to figure out to it, make it, it happen. No, it finds a way to fuck with you if you're trying to change it. Well. So it don't, won't necessarily make sure everything happens. Like, you know, if you keep a person from dying, they will not die. But it's going to fuck with you on your way to try and stop it from happening. So in the book, they like to comment that the past is obdurate. And it does stuff like, hey, you just completely changed out everything in this car engine. Hey, the spark plugs are now rusted. Oh, hey, this tire you just bought is now flat, even though you've never used it before. You know, the lead character at one point gets super sick on the day he's going to try and stop somebody's murder. And so he goes and gets medicine and then gets um, um, basically adult diapers so that he can, even though he's sick and vomiting and all this stuff, he can still go and do his job. Yeah what he's trying to do um television series stars james franco and um chris cooper does a really good job um like i really enjoyed it i watched it first and then i went back and read the book because i wanted more from the story yeah and once i read the book the television series is more like they took the ideas of the book and then ran with and ran in different directions like um which is not uncommon it's not and they did a good job with it but it's like um one of the main early characters and kind of the reason why um jake goes back is one of his students in the adult kind of remedial class trying to get him a high school diploma is this janitor whose father um killed the character's mother and all of his siblings and he survived ended up with kind of some brain damage uh, um, limp and he writes this essay for Jake in the adult class that is about it that makes Jake break down and cry you know about how what his father did to the family and all this stuff and he goes back and he has the chance to change it in the book He's a couple months away. He spends two months in the city saying he's with, you know, doing real estate. He meets several people, including characters from Stephen King's It as children still. But after they've killed Pennywise the Clown, (laughs) killed Pennywise the Clown, because, of course, Pennywise comes back in 1986. But you do. After the fact, um, 
the shared universe of Stephen King. Which I absolutely love. Like, it was great to see um, Beverly Marsh and Richie Tozer. I mean, even the main character in dealing with them for a bit goes, beep, beep, Richie. To, you know, I totally understands the dynamic. They recognize that. What I loved about it, actually, is that if you've seen the television series but you haven't read the book, you will not understand part of their conversation. Uh-huh. Because they directly reference stuff that happens in the book that is not even talked about. In I mean, in, actually, they might make a reference to it in the movie, but you don't know what it means unless you've read the book. Yeah. Um, but he spends a couple months there. That's where he has the whole, you know, being sick, buying the, um, it's not, he actually doesn't buy adult diapers, but it's the, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but he buys something similar so he can go ahead and do it. And he runs into this character whose, um, sister had been killed by the guy and was going to stop him from happening. In the television series, he ends up joining Jake on the mission. And they pretend that they're um, they're brothers, but the guy ends up falling in love with Marina Oswald and is trying to kind of steal her away from Harvey. He is also super drunk a lot of the time, and he ends up betting at the same place at the on the same bets that the main character is to help supplement their income. So he creates a lot of issues. Ultimately, ends up getting put in an insane asylum and killing himself whenever they come. To, whenever the main character suff- suffers from amnesia and they're trying to figure out, hey, <laughs> what is my mission? Yeah. Um, in the book, he's there for the first time, ends up dying from a heart attack when the main character goes back to the future to see what happens to the family. And then the second time, they don't meet and he instead sends him a letter and says, hey, look at your heart. Yeah. And the character never shows up again in the book. <laughs> You know, stuff like that. Well, it's like things you can, things that make more sense to explore in the in the television series because you have to have a lot more characters. You have to have four momentum. You have to have you have to make it so that the character isn't just talking to themselves all the time. Like yeah. it, it's it's recognizable why they're doing it. Um, and it also provides a better embeds and payoffs. Right. Um, the biggest thing for me is. In the, in the basically in the television series, he never goes back to the future after he goes back until his journey is done. Yeah, and then he sees the repercussions of everything. You know, certain characters you know show up in the future, and in the television series they show up in the past as younger versions of themselves, but they never show up. They're not even characters in the book. Like that sort of thing. Like there's a principal who doesn't want to give Harry a, or the janitor, like give him a promotion or anything like that, even though he now has his high school degree and he's done this awesome job. And in the television series, yeah, so this is in the television series. Jake heads back and sees her as a like clerk at the soda shop he goes to, even though she doesn't want to be a principal at all at that point. Yeah. In the book, that character never exists. There's not that storyline at all. And what I was hoping is, hey, let's him go to the future, see what happens, go to the past, and go on from there. In the book, he does that. He goes to the future, kind of finds out what happens to that family afterwards, and then goes back to the past. And instead of going through the whole big rigmarole of trying to make sure that they survive, he just waits till the character is by himself and kills that guy. 
long before he goes to attack the family or anything like that. <laughs> and then goes on and does the rest of his stuff, knowing that, hey, at least this way, certain people don't get injured, all that yeah. stuff. Overall, I think 112263 got a lot of the spirit of it. They got a lot of stuff correct or together. They just go in a much more cinematic feel for it than what the book goes for. Um, The book is really, really good. Um, As I said, the biggest change probably is in the television series, the past pushes back a lot harder. Like he makes a phone call and a woman, he, he walks away, then goes back towards the phone booth to make the call again. And a woman crashes through the (laughs) phone booth and dies and says, you shouldn't be here. (laughs) He also has a lot more, like he actually meets Jack Ruby. He goes to uh, the democratic like campaign whenever Senator JFK is there and gets close to him, but doesn't, you know, then the past pushes back. You know, there's a lot more like him meeting all of the people actually, you know, coming in on one of Oswald's parties. Whereas in the book, like he never meets Jack Ruby. He just hears a story about Jack Ruby being involved with a character he is interacting with. He lives downstairs from Oswald, but only talks to Marina once. You know, some of the same gambling debt problems happen, but it's not because there's somebody with him who's gambling. Like, it's more separated. It does, you know, kind of plays both sides a lot more fairly. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest, I get, or one of the later changes in the book that I thought was interesting is that they actually explore the yellow card man in that they are a separate entity, which I'm sure is actually referenced in another one of the Stephen King books. Cause why not? Yeah. But in that there are all these little bubbles and people, there are people who are there to protect the bubbles and they actually have all the different realities in their heads. Interesting. And the main character kind of looks at the card as it changes color as to what, what that's kind of indicative of their sanity. So like the first three times he goes back, the yellow card, man, it's kind of, it's a yellow card. Then it's an orange card. Then it's a red card. And then it's a black card. And whenever he meets this guy for the first time, he's just, Oh yeah, my name's Zach, whatever. Like, you know, I'm not an alien. I'm not anything like that. You know, this is my job. You need to go, you know, Spoilers, he saves JFK. And then goes to the future and sees what the consequences of that are. Right, and what it does to the world. Especially because he's changed history so much. Like on his way back in the book, there's an earthquake that hits California that kills 7,000 people. He's like, shit, I probably caused that because of the butterfly effect. And goes to the future and everything's fucked. But he's talking to this guy, and this guy tells him, like, you go to the future, you find out the stuff you need to go, then you come back here and reset everything. Because otherwise you're just going to you you're gonna destroy reality itself. And he goes, and he's there for a couple hours, talks to some people that he knows, finds out what happened, goes back, and the guy's gone from looking like a respectable guy with, you know, a green card 
and new jacket, new hat, all this stuff, to having long, gnarled fingernails that, you know, his hat sagging. It's now like he, it's now a yellow card. His jacket's all torn up. He basically looks like he's a wino just ready to pop. And then Jake goes off on another selfish mission sort of thing. And it's like, okay, like there's this now weird time travel interdimensional team that is there to stop people from fucking too much with time. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not something that's super well explored, but they do a great job like putting him in Jody, Texas, Dallas, and Fort Worth and kind of dealing with all the political stuff and trying to follow Oswald and you know he basically says like we explored a whole bunch of stuff did I get stuff wrong yeah I did but you know and I changed some dates to fit a better narrative but you know this you know he the interesting thing is at the end of the I listened to it on audiobook at the end of it um Stephen King actually has a thing where he talks about and I'm sure it's in the afterword of the book yeah. but says if you guys want to know probably the reason why we don't know what happened is because of this woman who is a footnote to a footnote in history. <laughs> and she was this person to like Jack Ruby who she was trying to get some money and Jack Ruby kind of went off about how he needed basically that Jack Ruby was going to kill um, Oswald the day before he did. Well, showed up with the pistol to the police department, got pushed to the back left and then went back to the police department thinking that Oswald had already been transferred but yeah. Oswald's transfer fell behind and then so he's able to yeah and it was able to kill him at that point and you know it's it's because of a bunch of different factors not a conspiracy of people right you know? and um Stephen King said you know after reading a bu- bunch of books that are taller than I am you know I probably put the probability that he was a the alone shooter at ninety eight percent, just based off of all this stuff. You know, there are the conspiracy theorists, but yeah, when it comes down to it, I think that um, both of them are worth you know going through. As I said, the eleven twenty two sixty three definitely takes a more cinematic. Um, bent to everything it does um and everything's more tied together like they don't relent on there um the biggest thing well and that's just tv you gotta tie shit in a bow or otherwise yeah i mean they they, and they make novels you can be a little bit more like well the the thing i liked about the novel when it comes to that is that there um he likes to say a lot of times that the past harmonizes so um, the girl he ends up dating slash falling in love with, um, he ends up at one point realizing that her name is one syllable or whatever away from the name of the mother that he saved um, in Derry from that his, oh, okay. the janitor was. Like, it's one syllable away. Like, it's everything is the same, just like one name is different or one syllable is different. And so at that point in the book, he's just like, shit, you better watch out for your ex-husband. Like, the pa- you know, to himself is, the past harmonizes, he's going to attack you, and starts warning everybody, and everybody's just like, you don't know what you're fucking talking about. And then he does. You know? 
And so it's a lot more of like, oh, there's this weird coincidence, but it's because the past harmonizes and this person that I dealt with who said this exact same or this thing, I'm now dealing with somebody else who but looks echo- like them. I've caused the echo because I stopped it's one thing. Right. And so it's it, I, I really liked it. I definitely book is better whenever it comes down to it, but um, the television series did a really good job um, of exploring things that are in the book. Yeah, the, the I guess the biggest sounds like they had to stay in the past more. Um, in the series, right? No, the the whole the whole thing. Is, yeah, it's more in the past. There's not a lot of like all of his briefing in. The TV series are flashbacks. Like they had one real, like super um, long night where he t- explained everything to him. And in the book, they spend some time together. He goes to the past once, comes back. They have more of a conversation. Goes to the past again, and, comes and back. They, well, no, he only goes back to the past, and then he stays there for seven or for five years, and then goes back to the future, and then deals with the consequences. Goes back, comes back. And that's it, essentially. Um, so there is is that. Um, yeah. So I definitely recommend eleven twenty two sixty three. It's on Hulu right now. I'm sure at some point, maybe it'll come out on DVD. But then again, I don't think any of the Hulu originals have come out on DVD. Weird, because Netflix has done a good job of pushing a lot of their stuff. Yeah, like House of Cards, Orange is the New yeah. Black, all that stuff. Yeah, and I think Daredevil Season 1 is out on okay. DVD. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, because there's Dead Beats, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is Hulu original programming. I never have seen it on DVD. It might be, I yeah. guess. I need to research that, but um, they might but also... But then Netflix has also pushed some things out, too. Just other, you know, just so people have more access. Right. Even if they don't, like, necessarily are putting it out for sale, they're putting it out for rent. Or something. Right. Know. Well, I mean, definitely with House of Cards and Orange is the yeah. New Black, they need to put those out because those are their mega... They're the most popular on net... Or they're the most popular... popular. They're the most pop culture relevant, so... Right. So many people who may or may not have that can access. But it's a way to Netflix to be like, hey, if you like these things, you should check out everything we have on our actual streaming service right and then the recommendation i have is a movie um don't want to talk much about it but it's called they look like people okay it's um i believe the netflix kind of snapshot whatever is um man meets up with his uh former like high school friend and gets a call that everything's not as it seems. But it's another one of those, like... So like horror film, sci-fi film? Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Like, dra- drama, indie drama, I would say it is, with some very, like, creepy moments. Very much. It's not going to be a uh, jump-out-and-scare-you sort of thing, but it's more unsettling. Okay. So those those are more the more t- on the thriller side than yeah those are the more type of um, movies that I really enjoy are the ones that are creepy because of what's going on rather than them trying to just shock you yeah so uh, that is it for me 
So, uh, Nathan, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, they can find me uh, on the Dubious Consumer Facebook page. They can find me on Twitter at Nate Wad. They can find me on the Tumblers at Nate Wad Neutron. It's uh, pretty simple, you know, not a whole lot of places. I try to not overwhelm my time with internetness. Uh, hopefully, um, I will have more to announce. Hopefully, I'll actually get some of these things that I've been talking about written so that there's more content going up on the p- on the actual page so that we can right build build a little bit more different things but uh Justin have you prepared the unholy litany of your name something like that um <laughs> I do have a book out it's called of God's Madness the Faithful um you can find it on Amazon and that's about it right now um you can find me at justindherd.com justindherd.net Justin D or JustinHerd.com at Justin D Heard on Twitter, real Justin D Heard on Facebook, and on Amazon, Tumblr, Pinterest, every, all the things. All the things yeah, Justin D Heard into Google. Yeah, you You'll will find. <laughs> you will find me. Not even joking. So, um, Nathan, I guess do you have a final thought? So, Doctor Manhattan. <laughs>